Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 3. My name is Jeff Burkhart, Barfly columnist for the Marin IJ and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirit of the Adventures of a Real Bartender, and its sequel, 20 Years Behind Bars, Parole Denied. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, restaurant consultant and former community director of the online review site Yelp. Welcome, Kevin. Have a drink on me. Welcome back to the Barfly Podcast. We are delighted to have a restaurateur, newspaper columnist, Nick Hoppy in our virtual house. Uh, Nick owns two successful restaurants, Chapino's in San Francisco's Fisherman's Wharf and Louis Linguini's in Monterey's Cannery Row. And in addition to operating restaurants and retail businesses, Nick wrote a popular column for the San Francisco Chronicle and Writing is definitely in his genes. Uh, his father, the late great Art Hoppy, was a celebrated columnist for the Chronicle for many years. So uh, needless to say, Nick offers a unique perspective on the Bay Area hospitality scene. So welcome, Nick. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So I know this is your first podcast, so we will be gentle. But uh, <laughs> very, very basic start, uh, lead-off hitter question is, you know, everybody has an interesting story about how they got into the restaurant biz. Some people are born into it. Some aspire to be in it while others fall into it. Tell us about how you got involved in it. I definitely in the latter category. It's a total accident. Uh, <laughs> I never, never intended to be a restaurateur. We were always in the retail business and we have retail stores all over California and Long-term lease came up at the Port of San Francisco. I've always had my eye on those leases, and this lease included, it was a use clause that included food. It was a building that allowed both food and retail. So I said, oh, you know, no problem. We can, we, can, we can handle the food part, kind of fast food, but we're really retailers. So we, we opened this business, actually had to build the building from the ground up. Ended up, it was going to be half food and half retail, mostly retail. And the food was going to be counter service, uh, pizzas and pastas, just to satisfy the port of San Francisco. And we named it the Italian Marketplace and, and had a wine shop in there and retail gifts, kitchen gifts, um, San Francisco souvenirs, everything. It was a great idea, except it didn't work. Uh, it was It was a bit of a... A disaster. It worked well during the day where people would, would order some food, and but it didn't. It problem was at night, people wanted to sit down and be served. And also they just felt it was retail and the food was kind of secondary. And the retail wasn't doing all that well because the food kind of interfered. We had a sidewalk cafe, people saw people eating and they just, they weren't interested in the retail. So within about two or three months, which was the advantage of being a small businessman, we can, we can adapt quickly. We turned it into, much to my surprise, a full-service restaurant. Got rid of the retail, changed the name from Italian Marketplace to Chapinos. Suddenly, I was a restaurateur, which I had no, no intention of ever being. My friends are still amazed that I'm in the restaurant business because I'm, I'm not a foodie. I know good food when I see it, but I'm not a foodie. And uh, fortunately, the restaurant was a great location, and it slowly took off and got better and better over the years. And... And then I got cocky and opened a second one down in, down in uh, Monterey, which is doing okay. So that's how I got in the restaurant business. And Chipino, of course, is a classic uh, San Francisco dish. I mean, it sounds Italian. It looks Italian, but it's actually originated in San Francisco, right? Yeah. The, it, it started way back in the Meg's Wharf days. The Italian fishermen 
would uh, have a kind of a group dinner and they'd go around all the boats. This is the legend. And, and they'd say, uh, chip in, chip in with, with the Italian slang. It became, you know, chip in, chip in, chipino, chipino. And that's where the name supposedly came from. And I'm buying it and I, I think it makes sense. And that's where it all started. So it was, it was invented in San Francisco. Those types of stories like the margarita or, or anything where the story might be, uh, more, it's a better story than it is a truthful story. So, I mean, I know there's like a, a little, I mean, that's a classic Mediterranean di- type of dish, but the, the bottom line is it's certainly the dish itself became a, a hit because of San Francisco, kind of like the Irish coffee was not invented at the Buena Vista, but certainly the Buena Vista has had a huge hand in making it one of the most popular things in the world. No, Chipino is a, a, a great dish and it's a great name for a restaurant. We're very happy with it. It's, it's definitely our signature dish. We make a we make a fantastic Chipino. Everyone loves it's a great presentation, and it's been a big part of the success of the restaurant. And what about uh, Louis Linguini? So how did you come up with that name, and uh, can you tell us the story behind that? <laughs> I came up with the name just out of I just, we wanted a, a whimsical character that, that would be attractive down in, in Monterey, just kind of fun for families and everything else. So I created this character, Louis Linguini, who was did just about everything through the years. We have pictures all over the restaurant that we photoshopped of Louis with, with sports, with athletes and with movie stars and with politicians and generals. And, and it's, you know, I think they're hilarious, but uh, I'll leave it to everybody else. But we thought it, we thought it would be a great idea and people do enjoy them. They're, they're fun to, they're fun to read. There's a whole story behind them, all fictional, of course. But, you know. And you can find that story on your website, too. It's like, wasn't he like once married to Elizabeth Taylor? And I think he had seven different marriages. All, <laughs> all, all his wives dumped him for one reason or another, but he kept rebounding well. The, the art of a good story is something that you know well, too, obviously being a columnist for all the years that you have. And of course, it runs in your family. Part of, of any kind of dining experience or restaurant experience is the story behind the restaurant. And that, that makes a big difference. People like to go somewhere that they've at least heard about. And again, sometimes the factuality of, of the restaurant is, is less important than the experience. Definitely. And, and the factuality of Louis Linguini is, is, is definitely not based in fact. So, <laughs> so that, that works out well. But it's really, it is a fun, he's a fun character and, and people people talk about it. And that's that's all we're looking for. So I'm, I'm curious because both of your restaurants are in, I mean, let's face it, touristy areas as opposed to more of like, you know, a neighborhood local spot. I mean, obviously your, your restaurants probably appeal more to out of town visitors. What's the challenge of like in attracting locals to your restaurant? It's a huge challenge. We run about 80% tourists and 20% local. I always tell, I always tell my friends that the only reason I'm still in the restaurant business is that, is that I don't have to rely on repeat business. This <laughs> uh, is a real advantage. We're really location driven and we survive on, on the foot traffic that walks by and the marketing that we do outside with our you know menu boards and, and just the look of the restaurant. Louis Linguini's is a, has another problem in the sense that it's a second level restaurant, which is a real, real struggle. We have a chowder station downstairs where we offer free free clam chowder samples, which is expensive to do, but absolutely necessary to get visitors to walk upstairs. You can't see the, we have beautiful views from of Monterey Bay from the restaurant and we market it as best we can downstairs, but without being able to see inside, it's really difficult. So we've got to do everything we can on the ground level to get people up there. We go after, we have a good, strong local following, but still only 20%. It's just, it's just tough to get 
locals down to Fisherman's Wharf, as everybody knows. There's kind of a, a snob factor that San Franciscans don't want to come down to the wharf, even though I think they should. <laughs> it's a great place to be, but it's always been a it's always been a challenge, and we always work on it. We do what we can, but it's, it's never going to be a huge local following. We rely on tourists, and we love tourists. Kevin and I have talked about this before in regards to Marin County. That one of the most one of the busiest restaurants in Marin County is the Trident which of course most Marin County people never go to. And it's an interesting dynamic how if you're if you're insulated from the local population, you're also insulated from the local critics because then they can't really influence anyone because it's it's driven by by people who aren't reading the local paper. And that creates a whole different dynamic so that these kind of businesses can kind of fly under the radar. And it sounds like that's kind of what you guys are doing or what have you have been doing for that's quite some time. That's exactly right. We don't go after we don't we don't really want to be reviewed. We do a really nice job and we do everything we can and the restaurants have really good food. I mean, I do know good food and we do a, we do a great job in both restaurants, but I mean, we, I shouldn't say that. I mean, we'd love to have a, we'd love to have a review if someone, <laughs> but I don't want to take that chance of somebody coming down and slamming us. There's just no point because it doesn't make any difference. It's really true. It's, it's the only reason I'm in the restaurant business. I, I would couldn't handle the stress of opening a restaurant in a neighborhood that relied on reviews and, and word of mouth. And, you know, you have a bad day. It's just a, such a tough business, as, as you guys know, as well as anybody. I would only open a restaurant in a, in a tourist-driven area. It's just much uh, less stressful in that sense. And how has uh, COVID impacted tourism? Like, uh, I got to imagine it's had a huge impact on your businesses. I mean, have the type of tourists uh, changed, evolved over the years or um, over, over this past year? Kevin, what tourists? I, I thought that would be the answer. <laughs> yeah, we are the poster child for, for the COVID businesses that have been hit hard by the pandemic. I mean, tourism in San Francisco is a been a disaster for the last year. I mean, the go- the wharf has been a ghost town. The only reason we're surviving at Chapinos is because we're the only restaurant open down there. I think I think Scomas is also open, but every other, every other restaurant has stayed closed for the last year. So we get the minimal traffic that's down there, and it's almost all local or you know Bay Area counties. We're getting it, and we have a great outdoor dining area that, that's done really well for us. On the other hand, so we've been heard all over California except for one area, which is really interesting. And you guys can maybe explain it to me because no one else can get an explanation. Is that's Monterey. For some reason, Monterey is doing better. The numbers in Monterey, we have retail stores there too. The numbers in Monterey are doing better than pre-pandemic levels. Everyone has flocked to Monterey. San Diego's dead. You know, LA's dead. Everything's dead except Monterey, which is doing really well. And so Louis Linguini's has done fairly well, even with the just outside dining. We're doing fine down there. But I can't explain it, why everyone goes to Monterey and no one goes to San Francisco. And no one goes to Sausalito. Uh, we have stores there, too. And it's just completely a ghost town, especially during the week. I would imagine that during the for the retail thing, that uh, that's probably all tourist driven. Right. And so even if you're a tourist from, for instance, if I went to Monterey, I'm probably not going to go to a tourist retail store just because. But I might go to a restaurant there. Like I said, I mentioned the Trident. I know that they have done better numbers than they have in years past for the same reasons that you said that, A, that there are no mm-hmm. other businesses open. 
and B, that locals need somewhere to go and they haven't been there in years. And so they, they, they make it, they take the chance and go down and they actually mm-hmm. have a pretty good experience. And I think that might be true with a down at Fisherman's Wharf for sure. And Monterey might be more of just a local California destination. I, I don't know. That yeah, sounds very unusual. Sure. Even our retail stores in Monterey, which are really tourist driven, are, are up over their pre-pandemic levels and, and nowhere else. Nowhere else is that happening except Monterey. And most of the people, you know, we track it pretty well. And most of the people are from Fresno and Modesto and Stockton, but, you know, which makes some sense. But why aren't any of them going to San Francisco? They just don't want to go to the big cities right now because of, I think, a COVID scare or something. They just want to, everybody's avoiding the big cities and going to the smaller areas. Now, are these diners different than the ones that you had pre-pandemic? Yeah. They were like local, like Fresno. I mean, like from obviously from California, uh, what were they like before? In San Francisco, it's definitely all locals that are, you know, we have no international tourists, no out-of-state tourists, or very, very few, but they're all they're all local. So it's, it's much closer. Same thing with Monterey. Monterey's, we always got that, that group from, you know, Fresno and everywhere else, but but there's more of them. And, Thank God for that, right? Oh, Monterey's <laughs> been a godsend for us. It's just been spectacular. You know, everything else, like I said, is down 70%. You know, Chapinos is down 60%, 70%, I think, from uh, 2019. Wow. But you guys are surviving. That's the important thing. Yeah, the restaurant's doing okay. And then, you know, of course, we got the PPP money, which has been a godsend. I mean, that's doing what it's supposed to do. Now, looking at like the the current restaurant scene, like over the past year, like what do you think restaurants like yours have learned during this time? Like you're, you're fortunate enough to have outdoor dining, which has been sort of a saving grace, obviously. But I know like a lot of restaurants creating those little parklets outside on their in their neighborhoods or offering cocktails to go and things like that. Do you think any of like these current practices will continue into a post pandemic world? I do. I, I think the, I know the mayor just came out with uh, support of keeping some of the parklets permanently. And I think it's a good idea. I think it's a great look. It's a great feel. Chapinos, we took over the sidewalk. We took over some parking on, on Leavenworth. It's actually across the street. We took over our neighbor's, our neighbor's patio, who's a fish wholesaler. So we have like 85 seats outside and it's just a great look. You know, we always have, we always had about 50 seats outside and we have 80 with social distancing. We have, we have 80 seats outside. And I think everybody enjoys the look on, on the nice days and sitting outside and we have the heaters going at night, which is just a spectacular look, you know, those flames going in the air and it's just so inviting. I can't see why we'd want to go, go back. And I love the, I love the places down in North beach and with the parklets. And I don't think anybody needs those parking spaces, we can make do without them. So why not keep it permanently? It's a win-win for everybody, I think. I find it interesting because Europe has been doing this for years, the whole outdoor dining thing. And I love that, you know, now that the United States is sort of embracing it because they had no other choice, you know, restaurants had to get creative. It seems to be like a thing that is gelling with folks. I mean, they they still want to get out of their house and hopefully more and more of us can uh, in a safe environment. It's not like you guys are reinventing the wheel here. You're just like rolling with it, no pun intended, but you know. Like I said, it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, there's in San Francisco, there's issues with the weather. I mean, when I remember when we first opened our outdoor dining, you know, no indoor dining, just outdoor only. So we had to see people outside. Normally, in normal cases, everybody comes inside, obviously, but we had to have outside. And the wind was blowing so hard. I looked, one of our servers came out with a Caesar salad and 
started to hand it to the table and it, the Caesar salad blew off the plate, <laughs> which is not a, not a great look. So, but the, you know, that's all we had. People will sit outside when there's no indoor dining. They'll, they'll sit out in the rain. We've had people sitting, actually sitting in the rain and having dinner. Well, the death of the restaurant business has been greatly uh, exaggerated for sure, because like you just said, people will sit on a plastic bucket and eat, eat, a, eat out of a plastic, out of a little cardboard box if they, if that's the only yeah. opportunity for them. And that's the one thing we've learned is you don't have to, to have fine plateware and, and all this kind of uh, mm-hmm. superfluous stuff where if you just deliver a good product and are hospitable, then people are going to come. That's usually how the restaurant yeah, business works. It's good product in a nice setting. And that's what we do both at Louisiana and at Chapinos and people come again. We're, we're, we have the benefit everyone else around us is closed at this point. So that's why we're doing as well as we are. But as they start opening, more people are going to be coming down as well. So it should balance out just fine. So don't worry about tomorrow. Think of what today. For more on Nick Hoppy, check out hoppycolumns.com. And join us next time. We welcome Aaron Lee of Harbor Lee Spirits in Tunaluma to talk small batch distilling in Sonoma County. My name is Jeff Brookhart. Thanks for listening.